listening to the Ed Reach Network. Ed Gamer, episode 96 on Ed Reach. Rush and a revolution through games. This is Ed Gamer for Saturday, April 20th, 2013. Ed Gamer's part of the Ed Reach Network. EdReach.us, giving education a voice. A big voice. <laughs> this show is dedicated to education gaming on any platform. We will give you the education angle on any type of games, ranging from tabletops to MMOs. We'll discuss how these games impact student learning and how they can be used effectively within the classroom. I'm Zach. And I'm Jerry. Jerry? Yes. Who are you? My name is Jerry James. I'm a visual arts teacher in Schaumburg, Illinois. And my name is Zach Gilbert, and I'm your host... With the most, no. <laughs> hostess with the mostest. There you go. I like hostess, cupcakes, and ding-dongs, mm. yeah. Uh, I am a sixth grade, sixth, sixth uh, grade social and studies language arts teacher from Normal, Illinois. What's your problem? I said, and a ding-dong. Yeah. Some might say. Some might say. Jerry, mm-hmm. it has been one of the wackiest weeks mm-hmm. in a long time. It's been a long week. I, uh, I actually, on Tuesday, I said to kids, okay, your assignment's due tomorrow. And they said, no, it's obviously due when you get back on Monday. My kids said, it's Tuesday. And I was like, ooh. I'd never, you know, mistaken a Friday what? for a Tuesday before. I literally thought it was Friday. On, on a Tuesday? Tuesday? Yes. Whoa. Yeah, so that's bad news. That's, that's not good because then it makes the rest of the week extra long. Yes, it does. And as I'm adding this to the um, – our notes here, our outline. Uh, did you get any rain? <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, yeah, we've had multiple seasons this week. Uh, we had two days of complete torrential downpour. Yeah. Um, How many inches? Oh, I don't even know. It depends. You know what? It, it, it's so dependent on, like, your location. Um, there were – I saw softball fields that we played on underwater. You know, the fence – just just at the top of the fence wow Uh, trees underwater you know it was uh it was nasty there's a piece of road that they ripped up after severe flooding last year they spent all summer working on it and most of the fall which made my commute to school much much longer they ripped it all up so that none of this flooding would happen again did they finish the the construction of that it flooded again all over Oh my gosh! And hold it, did they finish with the the fixing it? Yeah. Earlier? Yeah, they finished. Yeah. Oh, they finished it, and then done for like you know two months now. uh, Wow. Yep. How much did that cost? Still flooded. I don't know. Thank you, Schomburg. So. Wow, that's not (laughs) that's that's not good. And then yesterday we had hail, sleet, and hail most of the day. Yeah, we got some of that too. Yeah, it was pretty chilly uh, this morning. Pretty chilly. I don't think we got as much rain in my area here. Well, my, I'll explain. The city of Bloomington Normal, I think we only got a couple inches. You know, you add that on to the inches that we had the week before. I mean, we're, we're getting a good amount of rain. Now, northwest of us, uh, along the Illinois River, and there's um, the Mackinac River, and there's a couple other rivers that are Spoon River. Huh? Doesn't that go up to Michigan? What's that? Mackinac? 
The Mackinac River? Yeah, no, that's the island Mackinac. Uh, yeah, I'm talking about the yeah. Mackinac River. Well, the island and it's, is probably surrounded by a river making it. Well, yeah. and the Mackinac that we pronounce, it's, it ends with an A-W. Not Mackinac? No, it's not. Yeah, it's a different Mackinac. So it's not related at all? No, no. But that was flooding. There was a couple levees that busted. Uh, Peoria, you know, some people might out there might know the city of Peoria. Uh, it's along the Illinois River. It will crest, I think, on Tuesday, at least, I think it's like two feet above the record. So it's already above flood stage. Now it's going to go two feet above the record, wow. which is already above flood stage. So it's it's bad. And so it's all moving down because that rain that was up north near you comes down. Yeah. Comes down. So it's it's like hitting these towns all along and, and the National Weather Service and the hydrological report, you know, it's, it's showing it's going to hit the highest peak here at this point on the river and then down a little bit further and down a little bit further as time goes on. And it's it's really bad. I guess I-55 up, um, up, you know, which is a road that goes from St. Louis to Chicago and much further than that. But uh, I guess up near I-80, which is near um, Joliet, mm-hmm. I guess that closed. Hmm. It was underwater. Yeah, it's a so major highway. It's been brutal. You know, a couple people said it took multiple hours to get the work down the expressways yeah. that first morning. Uh, yeah, so it's been pretty bad. So that's that's been bad. Um, I'm going to jump to another thing that, you know, happened this week, which was in West Texas. And there was a large uh, fertilizer plant. I'm sure people have seen the video out there and it just leveled parts of this town and just sad i mean i was looking at a a picture and you know like before and after mm-hmm. and it's unbelievable i'm glad because there was a middle school mm-hmm. that was within you know within range of it there's a high school um it was and of course you know these are first responders and firefighters that are going into this and it, it just a horrible horrible um situation down there so, you know, thoughts are with those those people down there, the, that whole town. I'm sure everybody in that town was affected in some way. Um, I heard there was, now, because we were hearing rumors of all these different things, I heard there was an off, uh, a Dallas firefighter that was in the area, and he went to the scene, too, huh. to help out. Crazy. Yeah. And then, and then the, the biggest one um, of the week was Boston, mm-hmm. which ended last night. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Ended last night. Yeah, these situations are wild now with, uh, you know, the coverage of the media and all the, all the, uh, the pictures and videos from that day. So we were talking about that actually in my class. The, uh, you know, the amount of media and, and how you know, because obviously with the photography class we're talking about the difference. And I, I think somebody told me uh, what was it like the Atlanta one? It took like two and a half weeks or something to even yeah. identify the name you know, of, right. of the person. And, uh, we, we were looking at the timeline last night and after those, um, or in my class and after those pictures were, were out, I think it was two hours before they had positively identified, yeah. you know, the, and that's amazing. That's, that's yeah. actually pretty amazing. Things have gotten better in finding this stuff out. Some would argue, you know, I'll take the other side. Some would argue that, you know, our freedoms have been taken away. Mm-hmm. Um, because of that, it's I don't know. It's that's for all of you to to figure out. Um, I think I think we're all glad that 
these guys were caught. The one, the one thing that my wife brought up right away was the fact that these guys, the pictures were taken, you know, they didn't really conceal themselves very well. Yeah. yeah. And she's, her, her first instinct was like, uh, these guys are, are scapegoats. They're, this is, you know, that's, you know, I'm sure there's going to be conspiracy theories abound. Oh, they're, um, they're already uh, out this. there. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it's just like, I don't think we're used to how quickly, I mean, I think we're impressed, thoroughly impressed and, and glad that our, our law enforcement is, is on the task with this and very thankful, but I don't think we're, we as a public are used to such a quick turnaround. Yeah. And that's kind of scary. Uh, you know, it's, it's scary in the, in many ways, but one way is that, you know, let the facts come out. Let's see what we have and make sure that these, this is what has happened. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it is interesting, you know, and I think one thing that I noticed more than any other tragedy I've seen before has been a highlight on the, uh, the responders. There was, there was a lot of positivity coming out actually of the whole thing, um, which was kind of unique, something I hadn't seen before. So maybe that's a, a bit of a cultural shift, but I was kind of impressed with the amount of, um, positivity there was surrounding the event. We talked about it. I know, I know you're in high school, you know, you have high school students. I have sixth graders, so it's kind of a, 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 sometimes it's tough to talk about, you know, these, these issues, but all the kids had information. So, you know, it was one of those things that I gathered up as much information as I knew. And I, you know, tried to answer questions that the kids would have. And, and one of the things that we really wanted to focus on was, you know, you see the explosions in Boston and you don't have a lot of people running away. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was more the opposite where people were running to. Yeah. I thought that was pretty and amazing. That was don't, don't focus on the negative, focus on those that are helping. And what I feel really bad about, and I wish <laughs> this is a whole, uh, it's, it's frustrating. I think Anderson Cooper said it one time was that don't show the name of the, um, of these people, you know, it's going to get out there and, and, you know, it's like suspect number one, suspect number two, that's fine. You know, I'd rather focus on those that, you know, were impacted by it, those that helped out. Yeah. And I really would love to have my memory erased of those that actually committed these crimes. Yeah. Well, on a, on a lighter note, um, there's, there's been some, uh, if you, if you watch it, there's some good, kind of funny images out there of uh um tvs that have struggled with the captor's name or the the uh the person's oh. name because it was yeah. so long and if they were on uh i can't think of the word for it right now the you know types on the screen the words go on the screen like the subtitles yeah. you know yeah it's been naming them like zoe de chanel like <laughs> you know <laughs> zoe de chanel's hiding in a boat in boston what what's going on uh, yeah, the the one thing I guess that I struggle that frustrates me the most is that I'm watching this stuff last night and the reporting that I was getting, I'm trying to flip through channels finding something of substance. You know, a cop pulls up in a car, they're looking down the street, cop pulls up in a car, gets out, they focus on the cop, he opens his trunk. <laughs> What's next? Oh, he's going to walk over to the group of cops. <laughs> man, this is amazing. You guys are doing a great job. And then they they start speculating. (laughs) And it's just, and then they repeat things over and over and over again. And then 
you know, we don't know, but this is what we're thinking. <laughs> and it's just like, I, one of the, uh, do you get HBO? Yeah. Did you watch Newsroom? No. Okay. It's with Jeff Daniels. Um, and you probably, I think you saw the, saw the, the, the intro. Clip, yeah. Yeah. Which is just blows your mind away. It's our best and brightest. And I'm going to make, I'll make a connection here to teaching our best and brightest are don't seem to be going into, um, reporting and journalism. Uh, it, it seems that we're getting fewer, few and far between on good reporting and it's it's getting kind of scary because when you're seeing the comments that are made and the journalism that's happening, these people can't think on their feet, mm-hmm. repeating things over and over again. They're getting experts in. They don't know the right questions to ask. It's and that's one of the you know I think that was one of the reasons why Aaron, Aaron Sorkin created the newsroom, you know, the show, the newsroom, mm-hmm. and the whole concept behind that, you know fictitious show the fake show is that there aren't edward r murrows there aren't walter cronkites anymore um and that's what that show is trying to do mm-hmm. is raise the bar of what you know the debate and have somebody intelligent enough to be able to articulate it and that's not happening it's there like i said few and far between brian williams does a does a i think he does a pretty good job mm-hmm. um it's it's very frustrating to watch, and I think it's a disservice to um, those industries. I think it's a disservice to our country because these are the people that we're looking for facts and information, and, and they're not doing a very good job overall. That's that's what's frustrating me, and I can compare that back to teaching. You know, the best and brightest. Yeah. What are we do? What are we doing to try to bring the best and brightest into education? Well, our wonderful state is actually scaring students away from education. <laughs> yep. So, and I don't think they really f- fully understand how what that's doing, whether it's through pension system, whether it's through benefits, whether it's through making it more difficult, but not, you know, if you increase the, I guess, the standards of which a teacher comes in and asks for more professionalism, but you're reducing their benefits and pay, that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's really scary, very scary. Going to be unique, that's for sure. Yeah. So when you have teachers that are in education, they they come to me and ask me, you know, what do you think? Where should I apply? And I go, just apply everywhere. But have you thought of looking at other states? Yeah. No, I haven't thought about. If I was a teacher right now, and if I wasn't, if I didn't have to stay in the state of Illinois, I'd be looking at other states. Mm-hmm. I really would. And that's that's. That's bad. That's bad. If I was in if I was in college right now or going into college, I don't know. I, I don't think there's any way I would gone into education. Yeah, I think and that's what's. I completely agree. Uh, frustrating. Okay, so let's talk about something that's fun, <laughs> and in within education. And I'll get to the title because that'll be one of the last things there. And it's not rushes in Limbaugh, but rushes in the band. <laughs> And just to want to clarify that. So I had game. Did you have game club this week? No. Or were you rained out? No, we. It was just nastiness today. So, or this week. So we we didn't do anything. No. Okay. So we had game club last night. We had a good turnout. Uh, my uh, 
my wonderful parent volunteer, Mr. Peterson, and then I had uh, our student teacher, Mr. Kaup, and he came, and I think he thoroughly enjoyed uh, coming to, uh, to game day, and he played Word on the Street with some of the students. Nice. We had some kids playing Civilization. We had some kids playing Minecraft, and then, then I sat down with Mr. Peterson, and he brought a couple games, and the three games that he played, one was, what's the C word there, Jerry? Cartagena. Yeah. Cartagena. Cartagena. Yeah, Cartagena. Yeah, you say it and, in a deeper voice. Yes, that was that was very good. Cartagena. Wow. It's part of the game. Okay. So it uh, takes, takes as its theme the famous 1672 pirate-led jailbreak from the fortress of... Cartagena. Each player has a group of six pirates, and the objective is to have all six escape through the torturous underground passages that connects the fortress to the port, where a sloop, a sloop is waiting for them. I guess that's the little boat. Each card bears one, one of six symbols, dagger, pirate, hat, etc., and you move each pirate forward, playing a card and moving ahead to the matching symbol in the tunnel, leapfrogging over those where another pirate already stands. But the way to get more cards is to move backwards. Uh, the turn the turns into simple, smart game of patience and opportunity, and well received by a casual gamer. So it's it's a fun game. So you gain you gain card. You get three cards. Well, I don't, you know you can have as many cards as you want, but you can gain cards by moving backwards. If somebody else is on a spot, uh, if another player is on a spot, you get one card. If you get if there are two players there, you get um, two cards. And that's the highest you can go. You can only have three people on a on a spot, but it's almost like uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Candyland, isn't that the one where you hop over? Yes. You hop over. I'm just trying to simplify it. You you hop over spaces to get there, and Candyland. but you have to move. <laughs> it doesn't have the same effect as Cartagena. Yeah. Cartagena. Cartagena. Yeah, I did. Sorry, don't mean to. You know butcher that so that was a fun game it was fun and simple the board can be uh you can put it in whatever order so each game can be totally different the the pieces are it's you have a passageway like a tunnel through and they can be flipped over and so the the cards the symbols can be done and um mixed up totally i mean there's many numbers of ways to uh, set up the board and you could just do it randomly. So that was that was a fun game. That was that was a lot of fun. Uh, the other one, uh, Botswana, which deals Botswana. with animals. Okay, really? Sorry. This one's a little bit more difficult to understand. Um, you have animals, and that you can pull off, and then you have cards with those animals on there. And the basic idea is that you want to, at the end of the game. You take the number, the card number of the animal. So if I have a zebra and it has a four on it, and if I have four zebras, then that's 16, right? Okay. So you want to have the highest score, but you have multi-numbered cards on within your deck. And what you try to do is lower the number uh, that is multiplied if, uh, to the other players, and you want to increase your numbers to yours. So basically... You take the card number multiplied by the uh, number of animals that you've taken. They're actually little miniatures. It's a little bit more difficult to explain, but the whole idea is that you want to have the highest number of points. And it's a fun, simple game. And uh, there's not as much, I guess, randomization. It's there, but it's not as much as what 
the other game called Cartagena has. So I just wanted to make that clear. So that's a fun one. I have links. We'll have the links in the show notes. And the last one is called No Thanks. No, uh, no, no thanks. <laughs> yeah. So um, you have, let's see, is a card game designed to be simple and engaging? Uh, what Play uh, one of their chips to avoid picking up the current face card. So they're numbered 1 through 35. You have a card that's placed down, and the higher the higher the number is, you don't want to have it, basically. So if you don't want that card, you have a certain number of chips. I think you start off with 11. You put a chip down. You put a chip down next to the card. You don't want it. It keeps going around until somebody takes takes the card. If you run out of chips, you have to take that card. Now, the chips, so let's say you have... No. Little poker, look like little poker chips. Doritos. So you have a, uh, the face card down is 30. It's the number 30. But let's say, but every time a chip goes down, you subtract one away. So it's really only worth, if somebody puts a chip down, it's, now it's worth 29. Somebody else puts a chip down, it's 28, 27, 26. Keeps going around. Eventually, you're going to reduce the, the cost, you know, of taking that card because you're going to get the card, but you're also going to get chips. The chips, so you, what you do at the end is you add up the number of, your total number of cards and subtract the number of chips and that's your total. There is a way in there that if you have a series of cards together, if I have 29 and 30, uh, I don't have to take, I don't have to add the 30 card in there. I only take the 29. So that adds a little bit of strategy in there. If I have uh, if I see a 31 out there, I could take the 31 card, but it doesn't hurt me because I have a 29. So if it's in a series, you take the lowest number in that series. So that adds to the strategy. It's it's a Actually, that was a very cool game. And my youngest daughter played it. And what was really nice is that she was doing the math, you know, in her head, trying to figure out, is it worth me for me to take that card or not? So that was kind of cool. So you mentioned three tabletop games, and then you mentioned a couple computer-based games as well. Are you playing in your classroom? No, it's a, yeah, good good question. It's in the IMC. Okay. Um, so the library for those that might not know the I didn't know that the term IMC. Um, yeah, so I have a lot of space. So there's computers in there. Sixth graders have their own laptops, and then we have plenty of table space. Cool. Yeah, so that that's the best place to you know do this type of Gaming. Yeah, that's how we. The art rooms are fantastic for us for tabletop games because we have huge tables, you know, that are usually just working stations, as opposed to desks. But we don't have any computers. We've had kids the last, you know, five or six weeks that really have wanted to get on the computers. But to do a computer thing, I have to take the entire club to a computer lab. So that's interesting. I wonder. Do you not have? Is there not regular tables within the computer lab? No, no. Our computer lab set up in rows, so there would be no room for a tabletop game. Ooh. So it's it's kind of hit or miss. So that's so this would, that's kind of a perfect situation. I envision like I need Lucas's room, you know. Yes, exactly. What I was thinking. Swing everything around and then. Yep. yep. That's in. In fact, I'm sitting here going, hmm, that would be the perfect situation to create some type of of lab. Maybe a certain administrator of sorts within technology. Huh. Uh, might be interested in looking at Lucas Gillespie's classroom and say, hey, maybe we need to try this. Huh. I think uh, I think I have an email address of somebody 
You might. Yeah. You might. I think that's a great idea because you – I think the flexibility that Lucas has in that classroom is, is amazing. That's what makes that's, it. That's, yeah. yeah that's, you can use it for as a lab. You can use it for it's, – it's basically a multipurpose room, right, for technology. Right. And activities. Uh, let's see. Okay, so you showed me a. Um, let's see, you showed me a video from Constance Steincooler, who was Constance. Who, Constance. She's at the University of Madison, Wisconsin. Professor there mm-hmm. does game studies, and she also happened to work at the White House. I, I don't know. No big Just, deal. No big deal. No big deal. I happened to Through meet education. her last year yeah. at the GLS. I'm hoping to get a chance to meet her this year. I think she said she's, you know, she didn't say GLS, but she said running a game camp there at Madison. Well, because, so hopefully yeah, and she'll be there. Again. That is the educator symposium, I think, is now going to be called the um, Playful Learning. Cool. Um, which is the program and things that I'm, that I'm working with. And just a little side note that I'm doing some alpha testing on this uh, – Basically, I don't know how to. It's like a Wikipedia. I was about to say sorts. it's a Wikipedia of games. I'm doing it as well. Yeah, and it's you are awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah, you are you in there? Yeah, yeah, I'm in there. Yeah, I sent my feedback. They didn't. Uh, they didn't oh, I told them not to. Catania. Catania. Doing a present. Okay. Yeah. No. So I, um, that's a great, so you got to that's see a it. Great explanation. Yeah, I saw. Well, I saw the the original, and then I saw the JPEG of like. The site they sent out the other night. Did you see that? Yeah. What, what's the What's the game that they have on there? Civilization. Yeah. Woohoo. Okay. So you did see it. Yeah. That was really cool. Yeah. It's awesome. I love it. And I even got to toss in some recommendations, which was really fun. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. That was Peter. Yep. Yeah. Stidwell, who was a, a, a he's a he's a foe. He's a friend of Ed God, Gamer. We have to start calling them something else. I love that. I know I you do, but that foe. doesn't make it any cooler. No. Just it's, because it's, you love it. It probably doesn't. No, it actually works against it. It's all right. I, th- I think I'll, we'll ask people. Or we'll ask our next guest next weekend. Um, uh, okay, but John it can't Hunter. be like your mom that we ask. It's got to be somebody on. No, cool. I mean, John Hunter is cool. You, did you say your mom's not cool? I said no. I think my you mom's... just said your uh, mom's not cool. <laughs> wow. You've got a problem. Sorry, mom. Uh oh. There goes not, one that's, listener. That was a slip. <laughs> and sorry, sorry, mom. The woman that gave me life, yes. Don't so get anything for your birthday. Yeah, whatever. So John Hunter, we'll ask him next week, and I'll ask my mom tonight because I'll see her. Great. Yeah, maybe you will. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> She's cooking. This won't post before I see her, so we're good. <laughs> okay, moving on here. So Constance, wow, we went on a tangent there. Constance has a video talking about interest-driven learning using video games. So do you, do you want to talk about that? Do you want me to talk about that? Um, maybe we could just talk about it together. Hey, maybe we could collaborate. Hey, we could do a uh, <laughs> some kind of dance hand in hand. Whoa, that's going Between somewhere. Between the two of us. I did not want. So, what do you? What do you? Okay, what's your take? Um, I, you know, I, I just thought I thought it was an interesting video, uh, primarily because you know she almost like at the at the start of it kind of questions are video games, like you know, really this this excellent source for learning or are they part of just a larger movement which is what she calls interest-driven learning which is pretty cool you know i i love the concept i mean shouldn't all learning be interest-driven learning right because <laughs> as soon as you leave school you're only learning really is interest-driven learning right i mean right. that's primarily all the learning that happens in your life 
for the rest of your life will be because you have taken some kind of interest in it. You know, there's, I I would say there's very little trying to think of an example now of something you would have to learn that you really have no interest in. Uh, well, you'd ask kids in my classroom and I think a lot of them would say math. Oh yeah. No, no, I mean, um, after school, like what's something that you would learn in life after school that would not be interest based? Well, yeah, you'd hope that. So pretty much yeah. everything is interest driven. Yes. After school, but there's right. so much in schools that has zero interest. To yeah. students. Well, and some teachers would say that, you know, that that the students really don't know yet, and they don't understand how some of these classes or concepts that they're learning about will actually impact them. I would say yes to a certain point, but I would say there's a lot of things that I learn in. High school, okay, I took geometry, love geometry. Am I using geometry today? I mean, to to a small extent. The answer is no, the, Zach. Don't try to twist it around. <laughs> but some, okay, I'm, I'm going back and forth here. Some would say the process of problem solving and going through improving and, and going through but, proofs. But there are a lot of ways to learn problem solving. There is. Geometry there is. And is not the fact. Does it have to be? Yeah, does it have to be that? So the, the, the problem is we are forcing students into – a serious depth of knowledge. When I have kids taking um, uh, calculus and statistics instead of other art classes and they're going into art careers, that actually angers me as an educator because that's that's not something that they're going to use. And you know what? It's Just because they didn't learn it in high school doesn't mean it's not something they can't pick up later. You know, I've, well, I've picked up several skills after I left school um, that I didn't, you know, learn in, in high school. So, right. so if a right. kid decides they want to be a scientist in five years, it's not like they can't go back to school and go deep into that content area. Right. And what she talked about she thought she had a plan to have this interest-based learning where these kids were going to create a like a game review website of some sort. And she started talking about it, and she the way she explained it is that the kids were interested in the beginning, and then she starts going through all the details, and they start moving back in their seat and then pulling a hood over their head and crossing their arms. Yeah. So basically, you know, she had them at the beginning, but then just turned them off totally, mm-hmm. totally by what she had planned, which she thought would be really cool. What she was, what she did then was that they just started playing and then they started seeing what they were interested in. And then they went to Barnes and Noble. And so they might've been playing World of Warcraft or some other, or I don't know what the other games were, but I'll just pick one out like Halo. And they will, um, they'll play the game and say, Hey, do you know that there's this, uh, graphic novel, on this on this game and then they would read that or they would give them something that uh, was associated with that game and they would read that and some of these things that she was giving were a very high level so what happens if you are really interested in trying to read something whether it's a manual of something that you of of a project that you want to do you know for computers for me you know building computers when I was younger I didn't understand a lot of the terminology. So what did I start doing? I started looking up other things. And maybe my reading level might not have been uh, high enough at the time, but I will correct myself and learn it as I go along because I want to learn it. I'm driven by it. 
So what she's saying is that these kids, these boys, will read at a much higher level and start correcting themselves. And the reason why they're self-correcting is is because they want to do it. They mm-hmm. want to read it. They want to understand it. So that was her, you know, kind of her aha and it, towards literacy and getting, especially boys, because her whole thing is that boys, uh, literacy for boys is dropping at an alarming rate. So I thought that was, I thought it was very cool. That's the, one of the reasons why I teach Lord of the Rings to sixth graders and they choose to be, you know, with me in this little literature circle, literature group. Now, do all of them succeed? No, but I would say uh, most of them, at a, a pretty high number of them, succeed by increasing their uh, reading skills. And the, the reason why they're wanting to read it is because they're interested in it. They like it. It's it's And it's always surprising. Every year, I have kids that always, I'm thinking, oh, they're going to struggle with this. And I've got a few of those kids this year that they're ahead in their reading. They're reading ahead because they are into the story. That's fun. <laughs> That's fun. So, okay, I just blabbered there for a while, and you were very quiet. I yeah, I, it's okay. I like to listen to you. Oh boy, blabber on everyone's blabber, <laughs> blabbering on. <laughs> yeah, I see what you did there. <laughs> okay, um, speaking of rock and roll, anything else with with Constance there? Um, I hope that somehow she hears this. Constance, we would love to have you on. Yeah, I should say, Miss Steincooler, Mrs. Steincooler, we would love to have you on. Please come on, speak on our show. Yeah, well, you know, hopefully we'll be seeing her. Yeah. Down, you know, up, I should say, up in Madison, and uh, we can talk to her then. That's way up for you, by the way. It's way up. Moving on, uh, I think the last piece that we're going to talk about here, my favorite, all-time favorite rock band, Rush, was what? inducted into what? I thought. REO Speedwagon was your favorite band. Mm, no, I, I enjoy their music, but Rush is my favorite. Justin Timberlake? Oh, Simmer Down. I thought you liked Fun. That Some Nights song? Fun? Yeah, it's a. Jerry? It's a, Jerry. The kids will know. Just ask them. Jerry. Hmm? Jerry. Okay. So Rush was inducted into the you know Hall of Fame Thursday. Today's Saturday. And they've had this groundswell of a movement. There's been some videos and some big names that have really come out saying this is ridiculous uh one of them being stephen colbert (laughs) and uh, i'm sure stephen will get him get them the the trio on the show on the colbert report and and talk to him after this whole whole thing so that should be kind of fun but one of their albums was uh that was inspirational to me but it was kind of their album that really broke them through was was 2112 and that whole front side was a uh, was a it was a concept album. It was a story, and there was different parts. And it basically was based off an Ayn Rand story called Anthem. And not getting political, okay? Because I know Ayn Rand kind of sets people off. The that story is basically the idea that this world in in the future was a world of we. And it wasn't a world of me, the individual. And, of course, for Ayn Rand, that's, that's her kind of scary scary thing, brave new world type of thing. So these guys are in this world, and they're going to this uh, archaeological site, and they find a guitar. 
And in finding the guitar, they learn how to play it. Talk, talk about interest-driven, right? Mm-hmm. They find something that is exciting to them. They start learning how to play the guitar. Um, and it's a story of how the people that, you know, have pushed this idea of music and other things of the individual away, they don't like that this these guys have this guitar. And, and they basically lead a revolution through music, which is a really, it's really cool um, song. It's a, The whole side is just amazing. I have some links there. I have some links to the uh, induction in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame from a website that's probably one of the best out there. It's called Power Windows, and which is a rush name of a Rush album. And then I, I also have a link to... Power Windows in my car. Yes, I'm sure you do. Like actually in multiple ways. The album, and then I also have... Right. You know what I mean? I, I think so, Jerry. I have Power Windows in my house, too. What? Get it? No. Like, do you have the CD? Yeah. Oh, you do? Okay, cool. So power so, windows in my house. Oh, my goodness gracious. Jerry, so the song 2112, I have a link. I have power windows uh, in my computer. Are you done? It's funny. It's like, have you watched that video, Ship My Pants? <laughs> okay, Nilo, how, how, can, how can Jerry be It's a Kmart ad. Ship My Pants. Okay, watch how you say that. This is a family-friendly show. So the song 2112, and it's inspiration. I have a link um, link to that. But I look at games as, you know, people frown down on games, and that's been changing. And, you know, I think we're leading a revolution through games. Maybe maybe even more so of how James G. and, and, and McGonagall talk about how the idea of how games are created and their structure is something that we need to look at for schools. Uh, but the individualization of learning, and I thought that was kind of cool since they were inducted into the Hall of Fame. But I think there's some lessons that they talk about from this album that was the mid-1970s. I think it was 76 is when they created it. We're still looking at that idea today. Uh, I think it's I think it's pretty cool. So lead, the song was Leading a Revolution Through Music, and this is, and I guess our show is Leading a Revolution Through Gaming. Nice. I just wanted to make that connection. I like it. I have to throw a shout out to... My favorite band. They're awesome. I, you as a musician mm-hmm. appreciate Rush. I do. Right? I, I actually I like Rush quite a bit. Um, yeah. I remember one of the first times I heard Temple of Searings. We tried to cover you know, <laughs> Temple of Searings a couple of times, and it's it's yeah. tricky, you know. Um, my singer was always very infatuated with Rush. My wife hated Rush for a long time, but that's okay. I don't hold it against her. No, and it's probably because of Getty Lee singing. Yeah, yeah, I think that's and it. it's and it's. I don't, I don't, it's one of those things that that's part of who they are. Yeah. No, I love it. They're way ahead of their time, but, oh yeah, but appropriately in their time, which is odd. You know, I mean, they're very progressive, but they, they kind of, um, they kind of melded those two scenes of the, like, you know, the progressive rock, which is like the classic rock now. Cause there there Mm -hmm. were bands like, yes, I guess. in Genesis. Yeah. Um, and then there's a, there's a really new age, you know, the dream theaters, the, and they yes. go a little heavier than, than Rush ever would, yeah. but, but Rush is that transition. Oh, no. Rush has kept that alive and probably, yeah. I mean, you have to say probably the most commercially popular, uh, progressive band in the world. Yeah. And, and really they're not even, it's, it's, they're very popular, but not with the right people and i think that's why it took so long to get into the rock and roll hall of fame because they were they could have been inducted in 1999 that was the first year 
And so, you know, they've been around for they're pushing, what, 40 years being together. Uh, there's only, what, the Rolling Stones, uh, the Beatles, and maybe Aerosmith that have more gold and platinum albums. Uh, but they have at least 20 studio albums. I mean, it's just, and they don't do drugs. They don't, you know, they're they're not in the news for, you know, being arrested. I mean, they were, they toured with Kiss. <laughs> and Kiss is trash in rooms. And these three guys, you know, Getty Lee, Alex Lifeson, and Neil Peart, they're in their room and they're writing songs and watching TV and reading books. <laughs> they're so geeky. And I think that's what, I think that's what it, you know, I liked. That's what I liked because they were, they were like me. They're just like you. Totally. Yeah, just I'm sure. Just like you. Okay. I think that's enough, Jerry. Any, anything else to add? Nope. Okay. John Hunter is on next week <laughs> and talking about his book, World Peace and Other Fourth Grade Achievements. Thank you for listening to this week's Ed Gamer podcast. Please follow us on edreach.us and also follow all the great podcasts and blog posts on the EdReach Network. Have a great week. Cartagena. Kahoot. I ship the bed. <laughs> wow.